That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Anya? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. And if you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to the show to be named later, where we're talking baseball, kind of whenever. I am your host, Cristiano. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing good. Uh, as soon as you started recording, someone in this building just started playing like the loudest speaker I've ever heard. I could like feel the, I don't know what floor they're on. They're not on my floor, but I feel the vibrations from the room right now. Wow. I mean, uh, some, uh, you know, remembrances of floor two, Massasoit last Correct. year, but <laughs> Correct. that's, that's tough. So this to is, this, might even be on that. this honestly might be on that. This is, <laughs> this is, this is, this is not good right now. Yeah. I, um, never, I can never, feel my ear like, like being affected on a yeah, different floor. Never, never understood the, um, let everybody know what you're hearing type type music never, playing. No, if don't if you listen to this, do not be that person. It's not worth it. No one's gonna like you. Yeah, unless unless like your entire not floor is like, yeah, you gotta put on the music really loud. Then I kinda get it. But if you just on your own do it, um you're not you're not well you're you're not gonna be well liked, I, I think. Yeah, don't don't be that guy. Yeah, you yeah, you can't you can't be that can't be like that, you know? It's uh it's not, I, I don't know what to compare it to. It's just um yeah, it's not it's, okay. It's the it's the guy who like grunts extra loud in the gym. It's not necessary. You don't you don't need that. Yeah, no. Just breathe out of your mouth. So anyway, back to baseball. Baseball news, some unfortunate baseball news going around. Uh, this past week, uh, Tom Seaver, legendary, legendary uh, pitcher, died at the age of 75 uh, due to complications from uh, what you said was dementia and uh, COVID-19. I mean, dementia Correct. is definitely going to, to uh, take a toll. And when you add COVID, it's a uh, bad combination. And, you know, obviously should be should be honored as one of the uh, best to ever do it from the rubber. Um, unfortunate news, but hey, you know, it's a uh, yeah, tough situation. So Tom Seaver uh, is, whatever way you look at it, the greatest player in New York Mets history. Uh, he spent 12 years over there, had a 2.57 ERA in over 3,000 innings pitched, uh, only 2,400 hits allowed, 25 thousand strikeouts or 2,500 strikeouts. And that's just in 12 years with the Mets. That doesn't uh, count his six years in Cincinnati, three years with the White Sox and his brief stint with the Boston Red Sox. Um, this guy was a legend. He pitched extremely well in the postseason too. He won a World Series with the Mets in 1969, uh, had a three ERA in that World Series in 15 innings pitched, got a win as well. Um, this is obviously a very unfortunate loss for the baseball community, for the New York Mets community, the Cincinnati Reds, the White Sox, the Red Sox, and really everyone that he was able to uh, bring into his life. Uh, he led the league in strikeouts five times. He led the league in ERA three times. He led in wins three times, winning percentage once. 
ERA plus three times, FIP four times, uh, WHIP three times, hits per nine three times, strikeouts per nine, one, two, three, four, five, six times, uh, as well as strikeout to walk ratio three times. Uh, he also won three Cy Youngs. He was a he was the rookie of the year winner in 19, I believe, 67. Uh, yes, 1967. Uh, a three-time ERA leader, as I mentioned, and also a 12-time All-Star. Uh, legendary pitcher. He is also 11th all-time on the pitcher F4 rankings, and he is 18th all-time uh, on the all-time win list. Uh, so no question about it, one of the greatest pitchers to ever live uh, has passed away uh, at the age of 75 due to dementia and COVID. Yeah, and yeah, he's got a laundry list of accomplishments. It was both, he was both a strikeout machine and a guy who could prevent runs. And I, I imagine anyone, um, anyone who saw him pitch uh, live, that was an experience to remember. You know, I, he's, he's, you know, a guy who can strike people out as well as um, prevent runs at an elite level. But that's, you know, today we would see that as a Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer type guy, you know, AKA the best in baseball. Not only that, but Chris, when he went into the Hall of Fame uh, in 1992, obviously he got in first ballot, but he got 98.8% of the votes, which is very, very impressive for 1992. Uh, he set the voting percentage record at the time. It stood for over 20 years until Ken Griffey Jr. broke it. Uh, and as much as we sort of rag on this, like getting that percentage says a lot about you as a player, of course, but it also says a lot about you as a person. Uh, you know, he was a class act. He was a guy that you wanted to be around, uh, whether it was in a baseball setting or just anywhere. Uh, and he will be missed. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, that is a good point that it does say about who you are as a, as a person, how, you know, I guess you, you treated the media because, you know, Let's be honest, uh, the, the best guys, the, the best people uh, who are, you know, Hall of Fame caliber will get an advantage with the writers. And that definitely shows because Tom Seaver was, first of all, was one of the greatest pitchers of all time. And then when you add the fact that he was probably a very good person, um, that gets you that, that top spot for 20 years. Unbelievable. But yeah, um, so I, I didn't, I don't remember ever really seeing him on television growing up, you know, like in the stands or, or something. I'm not sure how much uh, of a stronghold, when was, when the last time he, like the last time he had like a stronghold in the baseball world, but definitely someone that you'll, that you will miss. Some other things happening in New York, uh, some, I guess, negative news, but some beef going on between the top two teams in the American League East, the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees um, are having a, having a, having a, some throwing, throwing some baseballs at each other. It's very, uh, a very interesting war going on right now between the Rays and the Yankees. Well, it's mostly, it's mostly Aroldis Chapman. I mean, that was the one instance uh, that really sparked everything where he threw, I think it was, was it 98 miles an hour or something like that at Mike Brasso's head? Uh, just barely missed him. Uh, and, you know, I'm assuming this wasn't intentional, but, I mean, headhunting is never okay. Like, that is not, that's not, you know, if you're going to hit someone, you know, you hit him in the back, you hit him in the ribs, or yeah, not maybe not the ribs, but you hit him in the back, 
hit him somewhere where it won't hurt, but it'll send a message if that's what you're trying to do. Uh, going for the head is never okay. And Chapman ended up receiving a three-game suspension for this, which he appealed because he pitched uh, just about an hour ago and gave up the game-tying home run to J.D. Davis. So I guess that's a bit of karma. Um, and also, Kevin Cash came out after the game and said, like, uh, if they're going to – I mean, if they're going to do anything, like, we got a bunch of guys that throw 98, so, like, we can do it too. That got him suspended uh, for one game. And Aaron Boone – why did Aaron Boone get suspended for a game? What did he do? Um, I guess the implication is that he incited some of this. Um, from what I – I watched – I was watching the broadcast. I think it was um, – it was Monday night. I was watching the broadcast and there was like, they showed some highlights of some maybe questionable, like high and tight pitches that the Rays threw at Yankees, but that's probably just lack of command or lack of control, if anything. Um, half, the, you know, half the Rays pitching staff is on the shelf. Yeah. I mean, especially relievers, relievers don't have as, as much command. So a few high and tight pitches is going to happen. You know, we saw this with Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly is, uh, has, a, has a tough time with controlling the baseball. So you never really know what's intentional and what's not. But the oldest Chapman thing, that definitely seemed intentional. He's not even that much of a – he doesn't – he's not that wild. And, uh, yeah, throwing you – could, you could see the intention behind that. And three games, I mean, I, I would – if I were the commissioner, I would, I would push it at least five games. But um, – I, I don't know. It's kind of kind of weird to see. Yeah, I mean, it is strange that Joe Kelly got eight games uh, and Chapman got three. Did Joe Kelly go for the head? I think he may have. Um, I think they they had him. I think the I think the one they might have had the most problem with was Alex Bregman because it was a fastball and it was like it was behind his head, but it was like it was like. Uh, 12 feet behind his head. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not opposed to Kelly getting suspended, period, but eight games uh, it seems a little extreme, especially if you're going to give Chapman three for essentially the same thing. The difference is the team that they were playing because Manfred already addressed that you're not allowed to throw at the Astros, uh, but they can't get suspended for cheating their way to a World Series. Yeah, I, like with, with as more and more details come out about this and like like the three game suspension is it like it definitely says something about the Joe Kelly suspension. I mean, more than twice as much as uh, the punishment was more than twice as much as Aroldis Chapman's for pretty much doing the exact same thing. Who are you trying to protect here? It's, it's ridiculous. I, I don't understand. I, I know there was a warning, but man, I, how can you not relate to, anyone going against the Astros and like they sh if anything the punishment should be the exact same and you know we shouldn't be having this conversation but I guess uh in this weird... and that, they, they doubled down yeah they doubled down when Trevor Bauer tried to wear the Joe Kelly cleats exactly it's been a whole saga the entire year it, it's yeah. uh it's it's incredible um, so anyway yeah. So fast forward to the next night. This would have been Wednesday. Um, Mike Brasso, in his first at bat, hits a home run against Jordan Montgomery to give the Rays a four nothing lead. 
perfect revenge. And then he comes back up again later in the game, and he gets a second home run. Uh, so, I mean, good for Mike Brasso. Like, he got, he got his revenge. He got to put his name out there uh, for a night, uh, which was very cool, obviously. And the Rays are five games up in the division now. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, we, we predicted good things for the Rays. We both predicted uh, American League champions for the Tampa Bay Rays. But even, even me, who had them winning the division and the World Series, I did not see anything like this coming. I did not see a 26-12 and 12 record. I mean, and to with add to their, With all their pitchers gone. Yeah, a lot of injuries. Yanni Torinos, Charlie Morton, uh, Oliver Nick Drake. Nick, Nick Anderson. Colin Bochet. Uh, uh, Chaz, Chaz Rowe. Rowe. Yeah. Yeah. The list goes on. And, like, not the deepest lineup, but, you know, guys like, you know, Rousseau are able to get it done. You know, they have a, they have a, they have very good secondary players and they have a lot of good depth, but um, they just keep finding ways to get it done. And uh, I mean, they're, they're kind of a fun team and, you know, being an enemy of the Yankees is going to win a lot of, you know, national baseball fans hearts. Exactly. Especially if you're not a Yankee fan. And I mean, so this, I guess that leads to my next point. Realistically, what do you think of the chances of the Yankees coming back and, win, and making, even making a run and or winning the AL East? Winning the AL East now, I put it, I would put it at like a, um, I would put it at an 8% chance of it wow. happening. Okay. Yeah, well, well, I mean, there's a... I was going to say 15% chance. Yeah, there's, they have, I think, 23, 24 more games to play. And also, they're not going to, they're not going to rush players back because there's really no incentive in winning the division this year, which is, uh, you know, is a real, real interesting thing. Um, but you know, for, for 2020, I, I accept those conditions. But well, I mean, really one no thing there is to note is, uh, the Yankees obviously lost tonight to the Mets. Um, if Toronto beats Boston tonight, the Yankees are in the eighth seed in the playoffs. Or at least, okay, oh, I'm sorry. Let me reword that. Toronto has to beat Boston by, I believe it's at least six runs to put them ahead of the Yankees in run differential because coming into tonight, uh, the Yankees had a plus 20 and the Blue Jays had a plus 14. The Yankees lost by two, so that means they're at... Okay, so Toronto has to win by five. Toronto has to win by five runs against the Red Sox, and if that happens tonight, um, they, the Yankees are in the eighth seed of the playoffs. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty wild. So if you're the Yankees, you do have to, like, you know, you do – I mean, you mentioned not rushing back the injured players, you know, the judges and the stands and the, the Torres of the world, except I believe Glaber is coming back this weekend. But, like, you got to, you know, wake up your bats a little more or your pitching because Garrett Cole has obviously gotten lit up his last couple games. I believe he leads the majors and home runs given up. Uh, Jordan Montgomery looked very bad uh, in his start on Wednesday – Tanaka's looked pretty good, and also Devi Garcia looked good in his debut, so that's certainly encouraging. Uh, but the team as a whole is not really uh, doing well as a unit, and you need that to be better. Yeah, I mean, the, the Yankees right now, they seem like they're in uh, May, you know, when, in a regular season where, you know, you're about 40 games through your season. You're kind of stumbling – and you're waiting to get hot. This, that's where I kind of view the Yankees at right now. This is probably a low point in their season. 
um, I think they will rise back up. I, th I think that's Absolutely. yeah. I mean, they've lost they've lost ten of their last fourteen. Like you can't assume that this is just the norm. Like they are going to finish. Listen, the Yankees aren't going to be in the playoffs. They're probably going to be. They're probably going to finish second, if not first, in the division. Uh, I think the only question is in a in a setting where the first round is only a best of three. So you know teams are going to rely heavily on pitching. How much do you trust the Yankees in a three-game set with their pitching staff? Because you're going to have Garrett Cole game one, Tanaka game two, and who do you feel comfortable putting out there for game three? Because the, the trade deadline's up. They can't get anyone else. They got what they got. Do you really do you put Debbie Garcia out there if he continues to perform after four major league starts? Do you put Montgomery out there in a potential game three? Do you put Jay Happ in there in a game three? I mean, what do you really feel comfortable with, especially if you're going up against like the Rays the Indians, the A's, like all these teams that have, you know, deep lineups and very good pitching. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably have to ride some type of hot hand. Um, although I would say that they have gotten by. I mean, I know there have never been three-game series, but they have kind of gotten by with the starting pitching they've had before because they've had an excellent offense that can uh, – an excellent offense and also an excellent bullpen – has been able to kind of carry them through uh, some series. Hasn't been able to get them to the World Series yet, which could change. But, um, I mean, a three-game series, we've never seen anything like this uh, in baseball. Yeah. So, I mean, it could, it could definitely play a factor, that's for sure. Uh, the one thing, I mean, people forget that the Yankees started 16-6. and six. Like, they were the best team in baseball at the start of the season. Uh, and it is easy to forget that in such a shortened season. Uh, given, you know, when a quarter of your season is, is dropping 10 of 14 games. Um, so it def you definitely can't get caught up in that. But I think a lot of people through this stretch are forgetting, like, when the Yankees are healthy, they are a very good team, and they can make a World Series run. Like, that is not out of the picture at all. Yeah, the, the only issues for the Yankees, at least in the past probably three years maybe, um, they, I mean – yeah, probably, probably three years is your health first and then maybe your starting pitching. And that's, that's been the issues this year. It's been health and it's been starting pitching and starting pitching has been a problem partly because of bad health. You know, Luis Severino, James Paxton being out. Um, and yeah, that's, that's been an issue. It's been a recurring issue. You don't really know how they can get healthy. Um, but I mean, you have to kind of rely on who you've got so far and, and hoping you can get those guys uh, back in the playoffs. Yeah, those guys. Like, they're not, they're not winning a World Series with Tyler Wade as their starting shortstop. Yeah, you can – you cannot – it would be hard. It would be hard to do that, uh, especially when want, there's – You don't want Mike Ford as your DH. No offense. Yeah, uh, especially, especially when you've got so much talent. I, th I think the American League is a lot better than it was uh, last year with, you know, new blood with the White Sox. And I think that Oakland Athletics have Im improved a little bit. And, you know, you'll have both – you'll probably have both the Twins and the Indians in the, in the playoffs, which you couldn't get last year. And yeah. those are two of the best – two of the most talented teams in uh, baseball. So, I you know – I kind of like off the playoff, Chris. Like, there is so much chaos right now. Like, if you go look at the NL playoff picture, like, the New York Mets are two games 
uh, behind the Rockies, or one and a half games, I think, behind the Rockies for the eight seed. And the Reds, Brewers, and Giants are all ahead of them as well. Like, this is legitimately anyone's game except for the Diamondbacks, the Nationals, and the Pirates. Yeah, it really, it really is uh, anyone game, anyone's game. And before the season, I didn't really expect <laughs> – I certainly didn't expect any of my – last place picks to like maybe be in the playoff picture like I thought the Giants were going to be dead last an old team that came out yeah I I thought they were going to be an old team that was uninspired and was just going to be terrible maybe go like 20 and 40 this year yeah now they're a half game out of a playoff spot which uh, Mm -hmm. is absolutely insane to think about this is kind of fun like I said like we, we still have another month of this Chris like, this is just going to be a chaotic month of, of baseball with playoff implications, and I am here for it. Yeah, it's definitely, like, the 60-game season, I, I mean, I think um, I think fans are a little more passionate this year with baseball, you know, even You don't with, have to commit as much. Like, it's, you save all your energy over nine months after the Nationals win the World Series, and then, you know, everything comes out for from July to October. Yeah, so, I mean – Hopefully, hopefully you can still go back to a 162-game season normally or, you know, I wouldn't even mind if it was like a 140, 150-game season. I wouldn't mind that, but I want there to be a lot of games, you know, because that's how baseball is. But if, if people really like the 60-game season, which I have, I've been paying – even more attention than I usually do this season. Um, partially because we do have the show, but also because, you know, the Giants, so. the Giants are a half game out of the playoff spot. So, you know, maybe, maybe you could see some change after this year. I, I'm not sure. Uh, who, who knows? There's probably a lot of talking heads uh, that could change that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So that is – that's that's I guess that's our little tangent. Now we're gonna get into uh, our specialties. We're gonna be yammering on about statistics. We're going first with uh, I gotta get the sound sound bite up. We're doing our Friday, September fourth edition of. Oh, I think the mic's here because I got headphones. Yeah, it's time for how about that. Uh, how many how how about that uh, do you have? Two. You have two. Um, give your first one, and then I'll do mine. Mm-hmm. Then you can do your last one. Okay. Uh, my first how about that. We were just talking about this team a second ago. Uh, is the the best hitter in baseball over the last two to three weeks. And that is Brandon Belt. Yep. Brandon Belt, uh, since August 16th, he's slashing 500, 571, 938 for a 1509 OPS. That is in 51 plate appearances. He leads the majors in the entire quadruple slash line. He also leads the majors in WOBA with a 612. Weighted runs created plus with a 296 and wins above replacement with a 1.4. His OPS went from 458 on August 15th to 1041 now. 
And the Giants are 6-10 and 10 since, since that date. Ironically enough, it's actually the third best uh, record in the National League since that date. The only two teams above them are the Dodgers and Padres. So it's unfortunately two teams in the same division. And one thing I looked at in the changes he made between August 15th and now, launch angle has been a lot different. Uh, between July 23rd and August 15th, he had a total of 44 plate appearances. He had six batted balls with a launch angle above 45 degrees. Uh, since August 16th, he has had 51 plate appearances. Plate appearances. He only has one batted ball above 45 degrees. Uh, his launch angle in generally most zones has gotten a lot better. I've tweeted that. Uh, you can look at my Twitter at Daniel underscore current if you want to check out some of the visuals for Brandon Belt because I tweeted them out earlier today. But that is my first how about that. Yes. So Brandon Belt was also my how about that, uh, yeah. unfortunately. Um, I actually, I didn't uh, realize that his since August 16th stats were so good. I just looked at his past nine games. Um, and one thing right. I will, one thing I will add, um, because, you know, the, the average and the OPS are very similar. Um, so I'll say in his last nine games, he has put 22 balls in, into fair territory, which I, I would say into play, but a home run is technically not into play. So he's put 22 balls in the fair territory, and 20 of them have been hit 90 miles per hour or harder. So he's yeah. been he's been absolutely uh, crushing the ball. You know, 90. You know, that's 90% of uh, balls into fair territory hitting being hit 90 miles per hour or harder. So I think you you hit all the you and I hit all the points. So so. Hit, hit see us with your uh, second how about that. My second how about that is someone who we talked about in the preseason, Chris, and we, we basically said, you know, if this guy isn't going, then this team doesn't look too good. And he's been going, and I've not heard a lot about him. That is Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt is tied for 15th in the majors in position player F4, and he has only played 28 games and everyone else ranked above him in F4 has played at least 32 games. So he is uh, on a roll in much less time, and he is doing the damn thing for the St. Louis Cardinals. Yes. Paul Goldschmidt, big factor. Big factor for the Cardinals. Um, I think, yeah, we said if he's not going, the chances of – uh, the Cardinals repeating as National League Central champions uh, goes down. So he's going. I think the Cardinals are kind of getting going a little bit. The Cubs um, have been kind of sliding a little bit. Yeah. It's been, uh, the Cardinals are three and a half games back of the Cubs. Yeah, three and a half games back. So, you know, especially with, with the amount of games that they're playing, um, a comeback is doable. However, also, there's not really um, – an incentive in winning the division. So as long as they get that second place spot, they they are good to go. So even even with all those double headers, they're doing all right. Not great, but they're doing all right. So now we go in from the highs to the lows. We're going with slightly alarming statistics, highlighting players or teams that have uh, you know we had 
higher expectations for, and they've just been kind of struggling. So I'll start with my slightly alarming statistic. This was actually one of my players to highlight before the season. I, I like doing these. I like um, talking about how much someone disappointed me or uh, made me look bad uh, in, during the season. So Car I'm looking at Carson Kelly, the catcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So last year, uh, he was very good. Last year, out of 21 catchers with 350-plus plate appearances, he was fifth in OPS. So he was like in the top quarter of catchers uh, offensively. This year, out of 25 catchers with 70-plus plate appearances, he is 23rd in OPS and 24th in weighted runs created plus. And, you know, these are – it's not really – because of bad luck, it's because of um, just bad, I guess, plate discipline and, you know, just general hitting. Everything, uh, everything with Carson Kelly in 2020 um, has gone negatively. His strikeout percentage has gone up 5.2%, and his walk percentage has gone down 6.2%. Also, his hard hit percentage has gone down 6.4%, and his expected slugging percentage has gone down 189 points and his ex expected woba has gone down over a hundred points so in all facets offensively uh carson kelly has really disappointed this year which is uh tough to see because you know it he he was a big part of that paul goldschmidt trade and um you know he, he was so he's someone that the uh, Diamondbacks are, we're looking to kind of rely on as a catcher of the future. And if he continues this way, it doesn't look like that will happen. He needs to look more like last year. I'm glad you, uh, you highlighted Carson Kelly right after I highlighted Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. How about, how about that? We're just, we're geniuses. Um, yes. cause they were traded for each other, of course. Yes. And I remember at the beginning of the season, we were making the case that Carson Kelly had a better 2019 than Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, the, the OPS was better for Carson Kelly. Yes. The entire Diamondbacks roster is slightly alarming, except for, like, Zach Gallen and, like, Cattell Marte and I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's just been bad all over. I mean, what? They got Christian Walker's been okay. Uh, Nick Ahmed's been decent. Uh, that's our guy. David Peralta has been all right. Other than that, I mean, just disappointment. Like they were supposed to be, I had, a, I thought they were going to be a lock for second in that division. Uh, yeah. Anyway, they're going to be, you're going to be slightly alarmed by my choice for slightly alarming. I went okay. deep with this. one. I did something that we've never done before and uh, looked at some splits leaderboards. And uh, we need to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or I should I say the Buffalo Blue Jays. Uh, yes. When they play at Salem Field, their, their new home field for now, of course, this is only their home field for this year. Uh, they are 8-5 and five there. They're pretty good. Uh, also, they're 12-5 and five since August 17th, which is actually the fourth best winning percentage in the majors. Uh, so they're playing really good baseball lately, and they're in a playoff spot. So you might be wondering, why am I highlighting that I'm slightly alarming? Well, let me tell you something, Chris. The first time they played a home game in Buffalo, that was August 11th. 
Do you want to hear some of their uh, their home their team home road splits since that date and where uh, they ranked majors? Sure. All right. So since August 11th, the first game they played at Salem Field, they have a batting average of 286. That is sixth in the major leagues. They have an OBP of 360. That is fourth in the major leagues. Slugging percentage of 518, fifth in the major leagues. OPS of 878, also fifth in the major leagues. Woba of 372, once again, fifth in the major leagues. And weighted runs created plus of 137, tied for fourth in the major leagues. So, and by the way, these are all home, home splits. So that is every, every person's, every team's stat at home specifically. So the conclusion that can be drawn is that at home, the Blue Jays are an elite offense in baseball, like top five in the league, no doubt, right? Yeah. So let's look at their, their road statistics and see if, it, um, see if it correlates any. On the road, and this is in comparison, like once again, with other teams' road statistics, they have a batting average of 230. 21st in the major leagues, an OBP of 296, 23rd in the major leagues, slugging percentage of 416, tied for 18th in the major leagues, OPS of 712, 21st in the major leagues, Woba of 305, 22nd in the major leagues, weighted runs created plus of 92, also 22nd in the major leagues. When the Blue Jays leave Buffalo, they are well below average offense. And as I speak, they are getting no hit at Fenway by Martin Perez right now through six innings. So uh, that, that lack of offense is uh, proving itself once again so far tonight at Fenway, especially against, I mean, Martin Perez has been pretty good for the Red Sox. Uh, so it's not, you know, the typical Red Sox throwing out no one pitching staff. Also, just for what it's worth, uh, they have played 13 home games and nine away games during this sample. And also, they had a 93 weighted runs created plus at home all of last season. So, basically, my takeaway from this is, assuming the Blue Jays make the playoffs, how well can we trust their offense when they're not in Buffalo? And how well can we trust them in future years when they never play at Buffalo again? Yeah, that's, uh, that's very, very, very interesting. Um, you know, I mean – home road splits are always always an interesting thing because naturally naturally you do feel more comfortable at home so there is that factor however well, this is a huge difference. however like 137 yes. weighted runs created plus versus 92 that is a big difference yeah th that's what that's what i was about to say however a giant difference like that alarming pretty alarming and yeah. you know i'm i'm wondering like what they were doing at the Rogers center at it couldn't have been an 878 OPS or, well, they, ha they haven't played at the Rogers Center this year. But, you know, last year at the Rogers Center, I don't think there was a giant, giant gap there. So, I don't know. I, I don't think Buffalo is like an yeah. elevated place. Uh, I, I don't think there's like elevation there really or, or if it plays a factor. Um, I, I don't know what the dimensions are either. They seemed pretty normal, but never know with minor league fields um so yeah i mean pretty pretty interesting stuff going on there for sure so that's that's some good some good stuff i was not expecting that uh didn't didn't uh wasn't noticing that i guess i was a fool not to 
So now we get into kind of previewing the weekend of baseball, seeing seeing what's on, you know, MLB at bat, seeing what we like, seeing what we're looking forward to. Because hey, it's the last month of the regular season. Yeah. Teams are on the are on the chopping block here, um, you know, and there are more playoff spots to be had. You know, there's probably a team that kind of seems out of it right now that hey might come back and uh and make a run for it but um any any uh any particular series of interest for you well i think i know you're gonna pick so i'm gonna stay away from that and i'm looking at believe it or not i'm looking at yankees orioles because as we mentioned earlier like the yankees are five games out of the al east they have dug themselves into a hole and they play the Orioles really well, Chris. And they have a four-game set, which is pretty much exactly what they need to get back on track. And they have to win at least three of them. Like, there is no excuse to win, three, or to win less than three games this weekend against the Orioles. So uh, there's a doubleheader tomorrow night. Uh, the Yankees have not announced any starters, but uh, the Orioles have Alex Cobb uh, and Jorge Lopez going tomorrow. On Saturday... Um, they play a 7:35 game. Uh, Orioles have uh, Keegan Aiken starting for them. He's a lefty. He has a 3.52 ERA, 0-0 record. Okay, that's interesting. And on Sunday, uh, no starters have been announced yet. So that is what I'm looking at for this weekend because this weekend could ultimately determine the Yankees' fate in the AL East because the Rays are playing the Marlins. Uh, and the Marlins are, you know, they are in playoff contention, but I think it is a pretty, you know, obvious statement that the Rays are the better team. Uh, they almost shut them out through the entirety of last weekend. So, yeah, and they're yeah. at home too. So, actually, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at one game in particular because, I mean, when I see the pitching matchup here, this is, this is like – this is a pitching matchup that you see, you know – this level of pitching maybe two or three times a year. And Friday night, you Darvish and Jack Flaherty are going to be facing yes. off against each other. So you yeah. Darvish, you Darvish is probably the hottest pitcher in the national league right now. And going back to July last year, you could say Jack Flaherty has been the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's just statistically true. And both, you know, Jack Flaherty, he hasn't slowed down at all. He has a 1.93 ERA currently. And Hugh Darvish has been carving up every, every lineup he's seen for the last six starts. So, I mean, if you want to watch some – if you want to see some swings and misses, you want to see some stuff break off the table, I mean, just watch Friday night. I'm not even going to highlight it in the series because, because that, that night, that matchup deserves an entire segment all on its own. Yeah. Um, also, okay. I mean, I think we should just acknowledge Padres A's now that we're here because yes. I thought you were going to acknowledge. I, I was going to go in that direction, but I, I figured I'd throw a curveball. I guess. Fair enough. Uh, so Padres A's this weekend in Oakland. Uh, the A's have not announced any starters, which is understandable because they are still recovering from the uh, positive COVID test that they had on Sunday. Zach Davies is starting on Friday for San Diego. And is that it for any starters that have been announced? Have the Padres announced Paddock. further? Paddock's pitching Paddock's Saturday. Saturday. And 
that fireworks? Yeah. There are fireworks yeah, going fireworks. on outside right now. <laughs> wow. Okay. And okay. Garrett going Sunday. Any particular reason? I don't know. They were there like two days ago. Remember that? Wasn't it like a projection or something though? Or was that like real thing? I saw there was everything as a projection. Okay. Well, oh well. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. I guess they got fireworks going on outside of our college right now. That's fantastic. I guess happy Labor Day. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's Thursday. I don't know. We almost have a cure for the vaccine for COVID. It's a celebration of there only being one positive case in Springfield. On Springfield. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's our preview of the week. I mean, uh, yeah, you got Padres A's. That's That's the matchup to look for. Definitely, you have the leader in the American League West versus um, the best team not named the Dodgers in the National League. Uh, that's an exciting matchup. You know, the A's and Padres each have some stars of their own. Um, that's going to be a very good series for sure. So we hope, so, uh, we hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for listening. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you want to watch us talk, Go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. It is called STBNL with Chris Gianta and Daniel Kerr. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, follow me at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel at Daniel underscore Curran on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to follow the show on Instagram, go to our Instagram account. It is called at STBNL podcast. We hope you enjoyed the midweek, sort of midweek edition of the show to be named later and we look forward to seeing you on monday when we have recapped the weekend in baseball see you then